Custom Car Care. Good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, we had a request for a little bit of a technical show this week. Ooh, okay. So I'm going to sprinkle a little bit of that in there. I also got to meet one of our listeners, Don. He had a little, uh, I think it was a Toyota Camry. Very nice vehicle. I think it was early, I'm going to say early to mid-90s if I had to take a guess. He scheduled an appointment. He's going to come back, and we're going to take some service for him. But he had 200 and I think he told me 20 or 30,000 miles, and the thing ran like a top. And he's like, I'm going to keep it forever. And I don't blame him. I mean, that's one of the big things right now, especially those vintage of cars. And you and I have done many shows on here that they just were very well put together vehicles. They really didn't consume a lot of oil. They didn't take a lot of maintenance and care as a modern vehicle does. There's a lot more going on with the technology. And those vehicles, if you can keep them on the road, I, I know I am. I'm doing my very level best to get three, four, five, six hundred thousand out of our car. So, uh, but very gracious to talk with Don. Super, super great guy, and has been a listener of our show for quite a while. So, I thought I would share that with you this That's morning. That's great. So, I love it whenever we get to hear from listeners. It really makes a huge difference, you know. I, you know, I think I've said it, a, you know, a lot. I feel like it's just, you know, like my mom listening out there or whatever. <laughs> and and in reality, there's a lot of folks that have a lot of questions. Um, and Sarah, I guess we should start that out. You always do a great job of letting people know if you guys have questions out there, how do they get them in here to the show so we can answer? Them? Sure. Well, there's a couple of different ways. The best way to reach out to us is on our text line. That phone number is 417-447-5743. Once again, that is 417-447-5743. Or you can reach out to us on our social media at 1041KSGF. We're on Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, Getter, all of those good things. So all of I run all of our social media, so I will be able to see it at some awesome. point, and I'll make sure that it gets over to you. It, it really, you know, we always have a lot to talk about, and we've got an update. Sarah and Ryan have been taking care of their, uh, yes. their is it a resurrection? I, mean, I would say so. It's a little bit more than just a restoration. I mean, this truck had, uh, it's got a lot of sentimental value, I mm-hmm. guess, um, so we, uh, I think we talked about it, and I still haven't got my little Mazda out of the fence row yet. It's still sitting Dustin. there. I know. Slacker. <laughs> I did order the tires for it, and they're sitting there. But um, you and Ryan were able to get yours up to the house and kind of get, I guess, a baseline on it. So what kind of truck was it for anybody that hasn't been following along? It is a 67 GMC. Oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely just you look at like the styling of late model, and there's some good late model vehicles. I mean, there's some really cool looking stuff out there. But you look at those 60s and 70s model vehicles. I mean, they just got style. They really do. And I'm super excited. You know, I think uh, I think it was like last week or the week before, I had mentioned how we are going to do a couple of hours a week where mm-hmm. we work on restoring it. That way we don't get burnt out. Yes. We don't run out of money. And it's something that we look forward to doing. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, that two to three hours each week, it really is going to add up quickly yes. because, my goodness, we went ahead and we started working on it. Uh, I believe it was last week. And we spent the whole two to three hours wow. cleaning it out. And that was it. <laughs> well, and that's kind of the place to start. You guys got to see what you've got to work with. Um, I have resorted to a uh, dry erase board for my projects because it is it is overwhelming, you know. And I get a lot of satisfaction either being able to cross it out or erase it off the list. 
but it kind of gives you this roadmap. And I know that sounds kind of goofy, you know, but when you're taking on a big project like that, you kind of got to have those milestones or, or wins every once in a while. So um, have you looked into LMC Truck at all? I haven't. So that would be a great place to start. Now, they used to have magazines that they would send you. And essentially, uh, I know they have website stuff because I've used it over the years as well. But it is, if there is an aftermarket or reproduction part that you are going to need a replacement, I mean, even some of the special nuts and bolts or tie rod ends or whatever, um, they specialize in those vintage vehicles. And you can get a, used to be able to get a magazine when I was a kid. And you could, I mean, they had blown out diagrams that if you wanted all the bushings and fasteners and this part and that part, you could order it all off there. Um, I had an older truck that I was helping some folks with here. It's probably been a year ago now. It was an 85 Chevy, uh, three-quarter ton four-wheel drive. And there were some truck, or there were some parts that were not available at our big box parts stores locally here. And so I ended up going on LMC's website, and I had to order. I don't remember what it was. I think it was a tie rod in. So a fairly, you know, simple part that you would think you'd be able to find. I know when I was a kid, you know, our our local parts stores had all that stuff in stock. But now you're thinking, you said that was a 67. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what did that say? 87, 97, 07, 17. So we're 40 plus years. And in my book, it doesn't seem like it's really been all that long. But apparently I'm getting old in my <laughs> in my automotive uh, adventures here. Um, but sourcing parts was difficult even, you know, previously to the last couple of years. But it's getting even more difficult. However... Um, some of your search engines and, and ability to shop worldwide, supply chains and, and et cetera. But it has opened up a lot more to at your fingertips. And I was able to source this even though, you know, it wasn't available locally. And we were able to get them up and going. But long story short, that's a really good option out there. I think they're, um, year one, I think, is another uh, kind of vintage parts um, do you know what NOS stands for? Have you ever heard that term in the parts world? Mm-mm. New old stock. That's like this like catchphrase. Oh, okay. yes. um, so a lot of times when you're doing that stuff, you get these reproductions. And a lot of times they either are poor quality, they don't fit, they, you know, they just have problems. They're not as good as the original. And on vehicles that old, it's hard to <clears throat> get a manufacturer to make a real high quality something or other unless they're going to be able to sell a whole bunch of them. Now, that's kind of a numbers game, and, and I understand that from the business standpoint. But what happens is a lot of uh, companies overseas will buy, you know, the patent or the specs for whatever, and they'll make one that's, you know, supposed to fit, but it's kind of crappy and it, it's more trouble than it's worth. However, if you get the opportunity to find anything that says NOS, new old stock, what that is, is at some point in time, you know, GM or Ford or whoever it is that you need parts for had a whole bunch of them in a warehouse that they just couldn't sell. And so somebody who was kind of, you know, a big picture looking down the road came in and said, hey, how much for all of your old inventory? And so they bought it up. And I know there's a big Ford one outside of Kansas City somewhere because I've ordered parts for F-100s and F-150s back in the day. 
that I couldn't find good parts for. Uh, I think a proportioning valve was the last one I was really battling. But long story short, I digress and get back to the, the topic at hand here. If you can find new old stock, that is a huge benefit because that's an original uh, GM, in your case, General Motors, part and the fitment will be good it may be old it may be wrapped up in a box may have a little surface rust on it whatever but it will make a huge difference for you guys doing some of your work and putting Humpty Dumpty back together again speaking of that have you named it yet have you come up with a name I haven't it is a she though oh it is a she I'm over here looking at this LMC truck and they got some stuff don't they They really do and I'm finding all kinds of different things that I need I'm actually mm-hmm. looking at some of the molded carpet oh yes that's at the bottom that yep. was something that we removed mm-hmm. whenever we were cleaning it and that was because we really wanted to see that floor oh, yes. bed make sure that there wasn't a lot of rust which there wasn't. Oh, that's I know. Awesome. I was really scared when we were pulling <laughs> all of that up. And let me tell you, it was a mess when we were mm-hmm. cleaning it. I cannot believe just how dirty it was. You know, when they put it out to pasture, they didn't necessarily clean it up. Right. I mean, they were just frustrated. They got everything out of it that they needed. And boom, it sat there mm-hmm. for 15 or 20 years. So yeah. there was that component. But then, of course, there was animals mm-hmm. that had made this truck their home for years so we had to clean that up and then there was damage from you know just setting so long things that had been um literally the steering wheel cover was melted into the steering wheel (laughs) and then the um like the rubber i don't know what it would be called but it's like the rubber that goes across the dash there oh it's a little molding Uh uh-huh yeah rubber molding so that was completely damaged by the sun and it was like cracked and chipped and then of course you know animals had ate away at it oh yes and we were able to remove that and we took the seat out and we refrigerated nice. it. That's awesome. Yes. And so I'm going to get my carpet cleaner out next Excellent. week and, and clean that out. So it's a little bit fresher whenever we get in it. For sure. And we did some, we just cleaned the windows and we cleaned all of the components inside. We cleaned nice. the rear view mirror and the, the radio because it has a little glass area. Those are beautiful They radios. really are as a radio nerd. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. I found it very just appealing to mm-hmm. see it. And yeah, we cleaned all the gauges and stuff. So it really doesn't sound like that much but holy cow and i wish i would have taken a before and after because it looks eons better that's fantastic you know to to your point ryan and i were able to get out there and uh i got to tell a little bit of the the animals that were living in there i'm good with snakes i'm good with spiders i'm good with all that where i turn into a wuss is things that can sting me Mm-hmm. And there was a bunch of those red wasps flying around there. Ooh, yeah. Thankfully, Ryan was way manlier than me <laughs> and was able to deal with that part of it. Uh, they didn't seem to bother him any, and he didn't pay him no never mind. But for me, that's where I get a little bit like, uh-uh, I ain't dealing with that. So Ryan dealt with that. And then as we're winching it up on the trailer, there was a family of mice that Ugh. had come out of the bed somewhere, and they were running all over the trailer um, we were able to shoo them away. We didn't kill them or anything like that, so so no worries there. But we were able to get them out. We had disturbed. So, yeah, it was basically a uh, habitat for anything and everything that had decided to, be, uh, you know, make that its home. Um, but to, the fact you guys are kind of reclaiming it and taking it back and, and uh, getting it cleaned up, that's really one of the best places to start. So that's 
super exciting. I know. So next week, whenever we work on it, we're going to open up the hood. We've got some uh, dirt dauber nests in there that we need to clean out. And then we're going to work on the bed of the truck and clean all of that out. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to start pricing items. Uh, The first thing that we're going to do is we have a battery that we've been charging. Mm -hmm. So we're going to put that in. Excellent. And see see where we're at, basically. That's the starting point for sure. So just to kind of give you guys an update, we got plenty more to discuss. We're going to get a little technical talk after we come back from the break. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. Welcome back. You got Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We're going to dive into the tech talks here, if that's okay. That's perfect. So I want to share something with you and kind of get your your take on it. We had a brand new, I think it was a 2022 Chevy pickup. It's a full-size truck. Um, it is four-wheel drive, and it has a turbo four-cylinder in it. So a lot of truck, little engine. Mm-hmm. We did the first oil change on it this week. Uh, beautiful truck. Absolutely gorgeous truck. Runs and drives. I mean, it's got some giddy-up for a little turbo four-cylinder in there. So I think, uh, you know, that's going to be a good platform. Time will tell. It's kind of a new thing General Motors has done. But when we took the oil filter off of it, and this is not uncommon, but I thought we should talk about it, is the first oil change had about 3,200 miles on it. It had a tremendous amount of oil shavings that ran out of and cascaded down the oil filter when we took the oil filter loose. So what causes that? So we, we've we kind of alluded to this a little bit on the show about fluid maintenance. Obviously, everybody probably knows that's a big thing that, that A1 Custom does um, overall. And that's really not just because I want to do more services. We got plenty of work to do. It's because I directly see the either consequence or the benefit, however, whatever side of the coin you're on. You know, I see people get two, 300,000 pretty trouble-free miles out of a vehicle because they have done some normal fluid services. And then I see people at 80,000, the vehicle is just roached out and done. There's so much, uh, I want to say neglect or damage because of neglect that has happened that, you know, somebody at 80,000, they barely have the vehicle paid off or don't have it paid off. They have catastrophic failure and problems. And, you know, we're stuck over the barrel on this deal. And I'm talking about the customer. You know, I feel like I'm in this with you guys when I'm when I'm dealing with this. That I want you guys to be able to have the option to drive it two, three, four hundred thousand. Or if you don't, and that's fine. I'm maybe I'm just the weird one that wants to get all that mileage mileage out of it. But maybe at a hundred or two hundred thousand, you decide to upgrade into a new vehicle. Your vehicle is still in good enough shape that you get a return on investment. You don't just send it to the scrapyard. And I may be being a little uh, I don't want to say over the top, but that's the reality. I see cars being towed to the scrapyard with a hundred, hundred less than a hundred and thirty thousand, because they have had a catastrophic failure that could have been avoided with some fluid maintenance. Okay, now what I'm talking about here, and to get back to this new uh, truck out there that had metal shavings in the oil, that's not necessarily an uncommon thing. When you design, you machine, and you assemble any kind of a mechanical device that has bearings, it has, you know, interference, if you will, you're going to have some kind of break-in uh, break period, not breakage. Hopefully it's not breakage. Break-in period to where those particles are being worn down against each other for a very tight fit. And that's essentially what we were seeing. So I'm not alarmed by this vehicle. I'm not concerned that, hey, they had some metal shavings in there. 
what I am drawing hopefully light to is the fact that when you have a new engine put in or you buy a brand new vehicle like this or you have a new transmission or rear differential, transfer case, etc., especially where you have gear meshing, um, and on this particular vehicle it is a timing chain engine, so you do have gear and chain wear, you will have buildup of metal shavings in the oil. So what don't I want to do? I do not want to do extended oil change intervals with any of these fluids, whether it's differential, whether it's engine, transfer case. Um, I'd even make the argument about power steering and brakes if it's not electric at this point in time. Why do you care and why am I even talking about this? Because this point in time is the most critical time for preventative maintenance a lot of people think, oh, it gets 300000 200000 I really need to be doing a lot of preventative maintenance to keep this vehicle in good shape, which is true. But what people don't think about and don't realize is actually most of the wear or the the uh, takeaway take from the miles that you're able to get, trouble-free miles out of the vehicle, happens in the early stages of owning it. So what I would do in my recommendation is that I would do uh, more close together or more frequent fluid exchanges in the very beginning. So when I put an engine in and I just did a repower for a customer, I want to change the oil between 500 and 1,000 miles. I don't necessarily want to do the 5,000, 7,500, 3,000, whatever your flavor of oil change interval, I want those changed early because I want some of those break-in material to be out of that system because if there's material in there that shouldn't be, it gets abrasive and it will cause more excessive wear faster, okay? So if I can change the oil between 500 and 1,000, I get a real good idea of how much wear had or how much fitment maybe even some leftover machining material was in that engine when I when I did the startup and assembly on it, and I want to get it out. I want to get that material that's – I want good, clean lubricity inside that system as much as possible. So the only way to do that is to get that foreign material or break-in material out. I hope I'm making sense and everybody's kind of following along. If I can do that early in the engine's life or the differential transfer case, whatever the case may be, it adds thousands and thousands and thousands of good, usable, trouble-free miles down the road. Then I can go to the 3,000, 5,000. I'm not a real big fan of 7,500. Um, if I was going to do anything more than 5,000, I would at least change the filter in between my oil drain, my, my drain intervals, because that debris, and there's a bypass inside of a lot of filters that once the filter has enough resistance, it just opens a valve inside of it and you're no longer filtering the oil. So when you go past that 5K mark or 5,000, you really kind of flirt with that valve and it may just be bypassing. And now I'm not filtering any of the foreign material out of that oil, which is not good for the variable valve timing, for the displacement on demand, or any of the interference parts where you should really have a good thin cushion of oil instead of metal-to-metal fitment. I know that was a little bit of a long-winded explanation, but as expensive as vehicles are, and I know at some point in time I'm going to belly up to the bar and I'm going to buy me a new pickup, and it's going to be probably $70,000-plus 
And I know you all are in that same boat. Maybe you're not buying a $70,000 truck. Maybe you're buying a $30,000 car SUV. You had better get a good amount of miles out of that thing. Otherwise, you're going to be in debt up to your eyeballs, and you're going to have a broken vehicle that won't get you from point A to point B. And nobody wants to be in that case. I know I sure don't, and I guarantee out there I don't necessarily speak for a lot of people all the time, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say none, none of you out there listening wants to do that either. It's ridiculous. And really, when you talk about the oil maintenance minder lights, you know, a lot of people think, oh, the manufacturer put it there, etc., blah, blah, blah. It's got to be right. Well, in my professional opinion, I do not agree with the intervals that some of those lights will put out there. What they did is they they increased or they decreased, I guess in this case, the cost of ownership. And so they can publish out, that out there that, hey, you know, it costs, you know, $3,000 less to own this vehicle than our competitors. But what it does is they figured out how to do as little care as possible, but still get you past your warranty time to where the, the manufacturer is not footing the bill on it. And then you're stuck with a broken vehicle at that point in time. That precisely um, validates kind of the, the thought process I guess I've been going over this morning with is that, hey, I want you to get way past warranty. I want you to be able to drive this vehicle 10, 15, 20 years, 30 years. And if you want to buy a new vehicle, great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love looking at new cars and trucks and whatever. I'm not a not a drive it forever kind of person. With the exception is I don't want you in a spot that you have to buy a vehicle. Okay? And I hope that makes sense. Whether we service your cars, whether somebody else does, as long as they're getting taken care of, heck, if you do it, I tip my hat to you. That's awesome. What happens is people don't or they don't have people caring for them correctly, and then they get it close to paid off, maybe not paid off, maybe paid off, and the vehicle's not worth driving because it made it just past warranty, and then something catastrophic happened. And I don't want you or me, either one of us, in that same boat. So Sarah and I are down at the bottom of the hour. I will put the technical soapbox away after we come back from the break. Your complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, I'm going to talk about a new acquisition to our home fleet. Okay. So I think I showed you, uh, and I know I've talked about it. I have a little, um, would you call it a problem? Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> uh, things that have been broken and that people have given up on tend to find it uh, find their way to me, which is cool. I, I enjoy that. I do pretty good with it. As well as I like to buy things at auction that are, uh, they call it non-operational is what it says on the online auction. And so we were needing a gas saver in our home fleet, if you will. We have two older children driving and then, of course, Stacy and I. And then I have a work truck and then personal truck and a vehicle that I tow with. So I, I say we have a little bit of a fleet here. So Stacy, you know, which is my lady, she wanted a Honda. She's a Honda fan. And I am a Honda fan as well. Um, we do work on Hondas, Toyotas, Kia, Hyundai, you know, all that Asian, European stuff. But we don't do a lot of very heavy, you know, catastrophic work. Typically, people that own Hondas, Toyotas, for the most part, and Hyundai and Kia, I'll put them in the mix, they don't break down all that often. And I'm not trying to throw stones at some of our domestics. I own our quote-unquote domestics. Um, I get a lot of factory OE parts that are not made here in the USA. And if you can't hear any of my disdain for that, 
Um, we need to we need to have some of the stuff at least made on this continent. How about that? Uh, I, I don't even want to say that I'm going to settle, but at least made on this continent. But I digress. So our domestics, obviously, we do a tremendous amount of service on those. I have a tremendous amount of training through Ford, Chevy, Dodge, etc. Uh, Fiat, if you will, for for our Mopar fans out there. Long story short, I found a vehicle that needed some mechanical love on auction. It is an 06 Honda Element. I believe it is, it is the LX. It's all-wheel drive. And, you know, you kind of buy it. At, you get a good deal on it in theory, which we did. Um, but you know that there's going to be some underlying prob- problems with the vehicle. So because of what I do for a living, I kind of took that with a grain of salt. We needed a gas saver. I knew I could put a little bit of love into this thing and get it back going, even if it was catastrophic. And, I mean, it could have gotten there and the transmission not even pulled itself or whatever. But I think we found a little bit of a honey hole, but there's a little backstory of why I think they got rid of it and they listed it at auction. And I wanted to share that with folks. So I get there to pick it up. It was in Moscow Mills, Missouri. And I don't know if anybody knows where that is, but it's a little northwest of St. Louis. So I get up there, uh, very nice folks. It was actually a dealer that was selling it or had listed it at auction. They were a commercial vehicle dealer and somebody had traded this in on something they needed through this uh, dealership, but they didn't deal in any kind of imports. So that's why whenever they get a trade in import, they, they list it and, and get rid of it. So it started right up. It drove up on the trailer. It had brand new tires on it, which was kind of that little bit of a, a clue, if you will. And I was like, huh, I wonder why somebody would get rid of a vehicle with brand new tires. So I trailer home. It's uh, about, oh, not quite three hours. I think it was a little like over two and a half hours each direction. I get it home and I'm really excited. It starts Runs good. Transmission seems to be fine. Air conditioning works good. Very clean vehicle. I'm like, man, you know, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. You know, is the whole floorboard rusted out of it and I can't see it under the carpet? Is, you know, there's some, some something bent underneath? But I kept thinking about the tires. It's got four brand new tires. And typically people that have brand new tires don't get rid of their vehicles. I don't know why that is other than tires are expensive. It's a good investment and people want to get their money back out of them. So I kept thinking about that, and I take it out and I drive it, and it's got a wicked vibration the faster you go. And I'm like, huh. And so I bring it in, and I throw it on the balancer, and I'm thinking it could be a tire balance problem. And the tires are balanced perfectly. So this is a little bit of my Sherlock Holmes side of me kicking in here. And I I put it back together, and I think, okay, if it's not a tire vibration, what probably happened is they took it to a shop, and they sold them tires, and it didn't fix their vibration. And they spent probably $600 on a set of tires. I don't know. I'm just grasping at at numbers. These are smaller passenger car tires. But they're good. They're a Firestone. Um, I believe they went somewhere trying to get this vibration fixed. And instead of, instead of them doing their due diligence like, you know, I was doing, I was ba- I was checking the balance on the tires, they sold them a set of tires and they had the exact same vibration afterwards. Well, they got frustrated because they spent $600 that they may or may not have needed, and they still had a vibration. So instead of, you know, continuing to fight it out and, and spend more and more, they took it into this dealership and traded it off. So what ended up being the problem is it had a bad U-joint. 
if this is an all-wheel drive Honda, so it has a you know front uh, transaxle, and then it has a power takeoff unit or a small transfer case that runs power to the rear differential. So essentially, for three or four hundred bucks, whatever it's going to cost to have the drive shaft taken care of and balanced, they got rid of this vehicle and traded it in because they had gotten frustrated or not gotten good diagnosis wherever it is they were taking their vehicle to. Now. Take this with a grain of salt. This is a lot of speculation, but I've been doing this a long time, and the fact that somebody had brand-new tires and they were in balance and still had a vibration, and I also checked the date code on the side of the tires, and the tires are, are virtually less than a few months old from even being manufactured, let alone shipped into the distributor, installed from whoever shop that put them on. So they didn't uh, decide, hey, I want to take, I want to trade this car in, but I want to put tires on it first and then trade it in. That that's just that's not reasonable. So as I kind of run back through, and that's a lot of being a good diagnostician is being able to run back through the chain of events, especially if somebody else has been working on a vehicle, because not only do you have the root cause problem, you have whatever problems they created between now and then. But in this instance, it worked out really good for us. We got a decent buy on the vehicle. We were able to get U-joints and a balance put in this thing. I did obviously check the balance on tires. Whoever did the tires did a good job. They all were within spec and balanced well. Um, I did a little brake work on it, a couple sway links, and we have us a little gas saver. And I know I, I share this story a little bit to say, hey, there are some deals out there if you're willing to look or work it, even if you're not, a, you know, a trained master certified technician for the last 20 years, um, those deals are still out there and you can do your due diligence. We do a lot of pre-purchase inspections on the behalf of the consumer. Now, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't look inside the engine, inside the transmission, but I can do a whole lot to hedge our bet that you're going to get a good vehicle. And I can also see a lot of things that you should not buy because you're buying problems. And so this was a gamble for us. Essentially, we bought it with some photos on an online no-reserve auction that I'm a big fan of, buying non-operational vehicles or equipment. Obviously, this is what I do for a living. But we also have a process and a procedure for our friends, family, and, and customers that come into the shop that we schedule and we do pre-purchase inspections to make sure that you're getting a decent vehicle and hopefully getting a good buy on it. Um, sometimes we do find, you know, some catastrophic things or we'll find some things that need attention. And a lot of times the way it works out, you still end up buying the car even though it has problems. But it gives you some negotiation and some awareness that you know what you're getting into before you own it. And I cannot stress that enough. You know, anytime I end up with a new to me vehicle, I'm not talking about new. I, I still, I think the only new brand new thing I ever bought was my tractor. That's the only brand new piece of equipment, which I don't regret at all, by the way, that has been a wonderful thing to own since new. But when you buy a new to you vehicle and you start putting it back into service, because typically, unless you find like that holy grail, it was grandma's car, it was garage kept, she, you know, opened the hood and wiped down the engine compartment after she took it to the store, which I have seen, which is really cool, by the way. Usually a vehicle has been neglected for a period of time before the people start to get rid of it or decide to get rid of it. So you're buying, and usually there's a, um, you know, like a, a straw that broke the camel's back. 
it, something happened and I'm getting rid of it. I'm trading it in, blah, blah, blah. But there's all these other things that are, you know, been neglected for a while. So the reason I bring this up is when you get a new to you vehicle with, say, more than 70, 80,000 miles, your initial kind of experience driving that vehicle is you're going to have some headwinds. You're going to find all these little corks and problems and rattles and bangs and blah, blah, blah going on with it. A, I hope that you know that before you buy it because maybe you can get some money off to put into the vehicle. And B, you know, you're kind of aware of this that, hey, we got to work the bugs out of this thing. And so the first probably six months is kind of my general rule that I'm catching up the backlog maintenance. I'm catching up the neglect that the vehicles had. I'm fixing anything major. And then after that, typically I get a lot of trouble free miles. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. That's the the thought process behind the way we take care of things at A1 Customs. So we're up against our last break of the hour. We'll wrap this up in a little bow right after this. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. Welcome back. We got just a little bit of time. Miss Sarah, have I monopolized the whole show? I feel like hey, I've talked a lot. Today. That's okay because you gave me a bunch of things at the beginning of the oh, show. Nice. And so I have been looking up stuff for my truck. Excellent. And then you gave me a person to do tenting. Mm-hmm. So I was looking up information yep. on that because I do need window tent for my new vehicle. Heck yeah. I'm so, so excited. I have been over here listening to what you're saying <laughs> and then researching the things that you're saying. Awesome. So. You know, well, hopefully that out. helps out there. I'm a big tint uh, proponent, I guess. We don't do window tinting. Um, I have all my personal vehicles done, especially as doggone hot as it's been. No kidding. It really does help the air conditioning system because you don't have that greenhouse effect, if you will, or that thermal heating coming through the windows. You know, whether you got little kids or, you know, pets or, or just your your comfort or satisfaction – when the heat index is 100 plus, you want, I mean, even a few degrees difference. It really makes a difference. Um, the only time I don't enjoy my tinting is it seems like I have to back a trailer at night. And I do a lot of towing, as you <laughs> yes. well know. And it seems like it'll either be raining or snowing when I have, because, you know, my choice is roll the windows down. Um and what I have done on several of my vehicles, I've mounted uh, auxiliary LED floodlights. And so I like my my accessories, if you will. I like to accessorize. Um, but you had a wonderful idea, which I think we're going to put together. And if you guys out there in Radioland have, uh, you know, accessories or Amazon or whatever it is, ideas that you like to get either for your vehicle or to carry in your vehicle, I think our next show is going to be about cool stuff that we add to our arsenal. Is that does that sound like a cool thing yeah, we could do? Yeah, I think so. And you're really a pro at that. <laughs> Every single time I see you like outside of the studio, you are like showing me this neat thing that you bought yeah. online. And I'm like, Dustin, where in the world do you find this stuff? Well, I, I find it usually out of necessity. You know, I stop and I help a lot of people, and I've been broke down myself. I'm not too good to say that, oh, you know, everything's rainbows and ponies all the time, even for me as somebody that is a tradesman, that this is what I do for a living. But I render aid, I guess, would probably be a, a good way to say it. I'm, uh, you know, people, I stop and change tires quite often, air up tires, um, you know, different solutions, jumpstart cars. And I don't like to be the one that, you know, has to call for help, <laughs> for lack of a better way to put it. So if I can take care of business, I'm going to. And I have this rule that one is none and two is one. Mm, yes. And three is where you want to be. 
I, I heard that the other day. I didn't Ooh. come up with that. I didn't. I've never heard the. I never three have one. either. Uh, but there's a, a preparedness channel out there on the old YouTube, and he he laid that piece of information on me, and I thought, yep, three is definitely where I want to be. So <laughs> I want to have you know original solution. I want to have a backup to that solution, and if both of those don't work out, I got a third option. And a lot of times the third option is what gets me home from time to time or gets somebody else home. It's not that I, I, I'm, I'm painting a picture that I'm broke down on the side of the road every day, and that's definitely not the case. A lot of times I'm stopping and helping folks, getting them going, um, whatever the case may be. And, and the biggest time that you're going to have a breakdown typically is after you shut the engine off during the restart process. And so I have different, um, you know, ways to self jumpstart or power my vehicle to get it back going, as well as auxiliary enough auxiliary power that even if the alternator is not putting out, that I can get to a good safe place. So, I guess next week's show we're going to have a list of cool uh, preparedness items, dare I say, as well as gadgets and cool stuff. That's great. So I can't uh, wait. So you and Ryan got a new rig. Are you going to pimp your ride? Are you going to do some upgrades? <laughs> well, I think I'm going to just do tenting for now. That's it? I know. Sorry. No underglow or spinner wheels or hubcaps? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I might. Maybe I'll get those shocks that make my there car go up go. and down. You know, that is something I have never actually worked on is the hydraulic systems in oh. those. Um, I've seen them. I've done some exhaust work on them, but that's a very niche market. I've never worked on one of those. Huh. Nor do I really have the uh, desire to... <laughs> you don't want to, huh? Yeah. I, I'm sure I could, and I'm sure I could figure it out, and there's a lot of fabrication that goes into that, but I got plenty of other things well, to do. Well, maybe I'll that. get it, and then I'll let you work on we it. We could do it. Yeah. I don't even know where you would go to get that. It's a lot of custom-built stuff. So a lot of those um, you know, are very high-pressure pumps and hydraulic rams like you'd see on a tractor or something like that. Um, they're quick reaction setups, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Usually, when you do that, those vehicles are not long for this world. Yeah, yeah, I can see. it will tear them apart. Well, we've got a couple of minutes. So, what minutes. has been going on at the shop? It's been hot, and I know everybody brings that up, but um, Don, that I actually was talking about earlier, um, he went out to start his vehicle and it didn't start. So Ugh, he called roadside service, and they were able to come and get it jumped for him. And get them into the shop and make sure the rest of the charging system's in good shape. Um, point being is Don's like, yeah, when it's hot, you find the weakest link of what's going on. And that's the God's honest truth. Um, you know, we talk and think a lot about batteries or different things breaking when it's very cold outside, which is true. But the, the adverse is uh, very true as well, that when it's extremely hot... You find the water pumps, you find the cooling fans that aren't working, the AC systems, the, you know, it just doesn't tolerate the heat. In Don's case, the starting and charging system um, is is going to be the biggest thing. So lots of AC work, lots of heavy engine repair, uh, timing chains, engine replacement, uh, because I believe everybody's kind of in the same boat. They're wanting to get the most out of what they own right now because, A, they can't go and buy something new. Or they're wanting to get as many miles out of something that's paid off as possible. And I'm a big proponent of that. I'm not saying everything you got, you got to put a new engine or transmission in. But instead of what has been, we've been a disposal or a, um, I can't even think of the term, but basically that when it breaks, you just throw it away. Mm -hmm. And we've been that way for decades at this point because everything was pretty reasonable and cheap. And you could just go get another one cheaper and you could fix what you have. 
unfortunately, um, that's not the way it is now. You you sometimes are forced to fix what you already own. Um, or, you know, you're afoot or you're way, way, way deep in debt. And that's a real big deal that if you can stay out of twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars worth of debt, man, I'm I, that's where my head's at. I'm definitely not one to sign on the dotted line for a big high note right now. Um, you know, as weakening as the dollar is, and I think the inflation rate or the publish rate they're saying is like nine point blah 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 percent. However, when I go to the grocery store or I buy something, it's more about 30%. So, you know, I don't want to get uh, way out there in the weeds, but it sure seems like they're full of BS to me. And if you can fix, as well as the tax part of it, you know, I, I don't want to be the old guy complaining about taxes all the time. But if anybody's paid uh, tax on a new purchase lately, holy cow, you better hold on to your wallet. Yeah, I'm going to have to do that soon, and I added it up to see how much it's yeah. going to be, and I think it's going to be about $1,100. Yeah. Um, That's I, unreal. I'm just, I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah. I was in there renewing tags on something here a few months back, and they must have bought something pretty nice, which is great. If you can do that, that's awesome. But nobody really, or at least I don't normally, plan on, this lady was paying like over $3,000 wow. in taxes. And thankfully, she was, you know, had been whatever it is they had done for their life. She was in good enough shape, you know, financially. It wasn't a big blow to her. But most people I know, three grand's a yeah. good pile of money. And I sure don't want to be forking that out when I don't have to. Now, I will say, and most people don't know this, hopefully you do, that when you sell a vehicle, as long as you buy another vehicle in that same fiscal year, they will deduct the amount of money that you were paid for the vehicle you either traded in or sold. So if your vehicle was like say twenty, say ten thousand, let's do easy math, and you sold one for five thousand, as long as you have the paperwork for the DMV, all you pay taxes on is the additional five thousand or the difference. So hopefully that helps you guys, and you don't have to pay tax on the full sticker amount that you guys paid for. Hmm. Have you ever? Did you know that, no. or have you heard of that? So uh, Stacy and I traded and upgraded our trailer we do a lot of traveling for medical concerns for our little one and we needed a different uh, sterile environment for a camper and thankfully we were able to trade ours in and it pulled the cost of the camper down about twenty thousand dollars of taxable dollars um, to where our taxes was still expensive but it wasn't near as bad as if we had just paid the full boat so make sure you get your tax credit is what it's called for the uh, cruise that you traded in so you won't have to pay all those taxes. Perfect. Heck yeah. Hopefully that helps somebody else yeah, out there too. Yeah, hopefully. Well, we are officially out of what? show. Time flies when you're having fun. Absolutely. <laughs> well, if you're out there in Radio Land and you have a question or a comment, you can shoot us a text on our text line. The phone number is 417-447-5743. Once again, that is 417-447-5743. Or you can reach out to us on our social media. We are at 1041KSGF. We're on all of the social media, Twitter, Instagram, Getter, you name it. We probably have it. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. You as well. Be safe out there. Bye.